0: and welcome to a new episode of the Geek Town Behind the Scenes podcast. I'm your host Dave Elliott and on this episode I'm chatting with Fausto Tejeda from visual effects company Pixamondo Toronto who are the people behind the VFX for Star Trek Discovery. Fausto specialises in sci-fi action genres in both traditional VFX and virtual production formats, most notably on the streaming series Star Trek Discovery, which is a hybrid of both. Throughout the show's four seasons, Fausto helped bring to the screen various creatures such as the Gormaganda slash space whale and the tardigrade, environments such as the rocky terrains of large asteroids and ships, His spectacular work on the final battle sequence in Season 2 between Section 31, The Enterprise and Discovery ships earned Fausto a very well-deserved Emmy nomination. Fausto worked in various supervisory capacities on Discovery, including CG Supervisor, Onset Supervisor and VFX Supervisor. In 2021, Fausto helped guide the show towards a new filmmaking era when Discovery transitioned to shooting on Pixamondo's LED volume stage in season four, where Fausto served as one of the on-set visual production supervisors. For those of you that don't know what a volume is, uh, we do explain that in more detail in the interview. However, to give you a bit of background, it was the groundbreaking technology that was first developed by the team behind The Mandalorian to spectacular effect and has begun sweeping through the VFX industry as a brand new new way of creating virtual environments and worlds, not only speeding up production, but also giving actors much more to work with than they would have on a normal green screen. If you'd like to hear more behind-the-scenes interviews, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Geek Town Radio. This also gives you our weekly Geek Town Radio podcast which brings you all the latest TV, filming and gaming news. You can also go to the website at geektown.co.uk for daily news stories and all the latest UK and US TV premiere dates. Here's the interview with VFX supervisor, Fausto Tejeda. (laughs) Thank you for coming on and talking to me about this stuff because I, I really love the show. It's one of my favorite
1: things on TV right now. So happy to hear it and happy to be here. So
0: lovely to have you. I mean, obviously, you've done a whole bunch of different things, but the main thing you've been working on is Star Trek
1: Discovery. Yep, pretty much for the last four years.
0: You've been on from season one for that show. Before we get into talking about Discovery itself, just a little bit of background
1: about you. How did you get into the industry in the first place? So I studied, you know, visual effects. And- in in college for three years and I graduated in 2008 Mm -hmm. in Miami, Florida. Mm -hmm. And since then, I've just kind of been traveling all over the US uh, working. I lived in Louisiana, Los Angeles and New York for a few years working as a generalist. And then when I made the move to Toronto, I eventually ended up at Pixamondo. And the first show that I was on there was Triple X. And then a few months shortly after we started on Star Trek and that's what I've been on ever since.
0: Awesome. Were you a fan of Star Trek beforehand or was this sort of something that you were picking up as you went to log? I'm not going to lie. I had never watched Star Trek beforehand.
1: (laughs) Growing up, I'd never really had much interest in it. But uh, as soon as I started working on the show, I kind of, you know, did a little bit of backtracking and I started watching TNG and I fell in love with the franchise. Right. I mean, such great characters in that show. Um, And then Discovery was just, you know, a a fantastic new way of of kind of seeing it from a modern point of view.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it was a really interesting thing to kind of come in and what were the discussions like were you involved right at the very start with the sort of discussions about how you
1: were going to approach the effects for it more or less um i mean the the vfx supervisor on the client side jay-z he approached us kind of with the general scope of the show and what was needed and we all did a lot of work early on with the production side, the director, editor, just kind of pre-visiting a lot of things out, kind of getting a feel for the tone and what kind of action was expected and, you know, the ships and movements and things like that. And, yeah, I mean, we, we discussed things pretty early on and we, we knew that we had to get it right from the get-go because it's it's, <laughs> it's a pretty big fan base. You can't yeah. screw that up. <laughs> well, so
0: That's one of the unique things, of course, with something like Star Trek, particularly with those first couple of seasons because of the the point in the timeline where it sits because it's sort of post-enterprise pre the original series and there are set designs for certain ships in there as well there is a certain style to it so you you can't just kind of make it entirely up as you go along so were there like piles of manuals of guidelines that you were having to go through or to to sort of work that way oh
1: god uh at least on our end so much research went into making sure that things look as close as possible to the original i mean we had to stay true to a specific design language yeah while still trying to kind of evolve it for you know the modern audience because as much as people like to say that oh it's we love the original if we show something in you know 2020, 2021 that looks like it did in the 60s it's not really gonna go over well yeah so it, it, it was a fine juggling to try and get that balanced out yeah and i mean I, I think you do a pretty
0: good job i mean of course the films came along in the intervening period so there's this yeah. kind of little 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 hints of maybe stuff that came out of the movies in there i think as as well as tying into the original series and all that good stuff so i, I think it hits a balance really well across the the whole series because i think people do like you say people do understand that you know it's a new series you can't make it look like it was in the 60s that would be really weird so um, <laughs> yeah. in terms of the stuff that you've been doing on the show i mean there's there's a whole bunch of creatures and obviously the ships and environments uh, do you want to just talk
1: through some of the bits and pieces you were working on with the series. Yeah, Uh, I mean, so since season one, we've kind of been in charge of fleshing out all the ships for the show. Um, I mean, the Discovery, the Shenzhou, and I think season one, we had something like 30 different ships that we had to build, including shuttles and pods and all that kind of stuff. And then every season, we just try, you know, up the ante and improve on the look, improve on the assets and just make it a little bit more user friendly while still trying to update the look for, for the audience. Because everybody expects to see something better and better every season, Mm. and then creatures—I mean, there's been uh, a couple couple episodes where we had some creature work, which were super fun. I mean, we all love working on creatures, so that's that's been a real treat. Yeah, I mean, two of the sort
0: of standout creatures, maybe uh, the tardigrade, obviously, you know, which was a huge part of the first season, which must have been quite an interesting one to do because tardigrades are real creatures. Uh, They're just not normally quite the size that you see in Star Trek (laughs) Discovery. So, uh, how did you approach that? Was it? case of just sort of taking a tardigrade and blowing it up so it was really big or is it with a kind of other things
1: that you added into it so we that we had some initial you know references from cbs as to more or less what direction they wanted to go in and then we took it upon ourselves and created a few more concept art to you know kind of give them some variations and then once something was approved we moved on from there but um we definitely wanted to keep a real tardigrade in mind but at the same time like this creature has evolved and turned to something completely different that much more than just your little minuscule tardigrade so we steered away from that very translucent kind of transparent shell that a tardigrade normally has that very micro scale to give yeah. it a little bit more of a, a fleshy humanoid type skin mm. um which worked out really well uh, especially for some of the things that i had to do like you know we had the one scene where it kind of shrunk down and lost all its water it had to shrivel up into this little ball so that was that was pretty cool
0: yeah is it kind of i mean watching some of that it's quite emotional watching that scene because you know this is this thing is, is dying for you as somebody who basically created it is that weird watching that sort of killing off a digital creature that
1: you, you <laughs> built? it is because at least for you know for us we kind of got to see the whole emotional roller coaster that we went through with this guy i mean they found him at first he was a little bit aggressive and then mm. you kind of got to know the reasoning behind what he was the way he was and then at the end you know his ultimate demise and then ultimately he comes back to life and leaves and kind of does this thing but yeah it was it was pretty emotional yeah it's interesting doing stuff like that
0: and then you got i, I might pronounce this robert there it's the the gormaganda i think is the the name uh, of it yes. the, 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 the space sp- whale yeah the space As we referred
1: to it <laughs> yes
0: the space whale which was the uh it was in the harry mud episode which is a, a great episode how did you approach designing that because again you know as you say it's described as a space whale so were you using whale references for that I mean it no. doesn't look that whale like when you actually see it necessarily but.
1: <laughs> the space whale uh, that was an interesting one they had something practical on set um, when they were shooting all those uh, right. all those shots which ultimately ended up not getting used um, because design wise it was completely different than what we ended up with <sighs> yeah so they shot a few a few takes and then you know once the studio side they, they wanted to go in a different route and then they left it up to us to design something new based on some concept work that they gave us so we took that concept uh, work we took it a little bit further expanded on it gave it that very flesh translucent kind of feel to the skin and then yeah just you know went to town on animating and you know making it do all the the fun things you see it do with the uh, beaming in and out going back in time having to open up the mouth having hairy mud come out from there Yeah, those were some pretty cool scenes
0: yeah no they were and you have got that were there any other creatures that were in those
1: episodes those are the two that particularly stood out I think but yeah I think the first two seasons those were the main ones that we did mm. I mean you know Star Trek there isn't as much creatures work as we would love but um, yeah
0: yeah the other things of course are uh, just straight up environments as well which I mean there's there's a great thing about Star Trek because you go to different planets you've got a whole range of environments to be able to do for that any particular favorites out of that
1: oh yes uh, my personal favorite was the intro to season two in episode one when they land on the asteroid, mm, yes. and they find the, uh, the the crash ship in there. We had a lot of fun making uh, making that environment. It was, I mean, it was something completely different. So you had this very spiky, rocky environment, but that was still meant to be very moody while still trying to keep something very sci-fi. So we had all those kind of floating rocks on top. Um, yeah, that was that was a fun environment for sure.
0: And then with the ships, obviously, when you first started, as I said, you you are sort of pre the original series. So there is very definitive ship designs that were around with the exception of Discovery. I mean, did you have much involvement in the design of Discovery itself or was that sort of handed to you and then you worked out how you were going to make it work?
1: So not so much involvement in the actual design design of the ships like we were provided with some fantastic artwork from their you know art department yeah and then we just fleshed that out um what we did do is you know we added a lot of extra details things like paneling Mm. the look of certain little phasers uh things like cameras where some of the the doors were going to go the hinges just to make it more functional Mm. and to work for some of the shots that we needed but yeah
0: okay and the third season you then have this quite dramatic shift because you know if anybody's seen the show they jump majorly forward time for the the third season Uh, I mean actually before we get to that I should say the end battle at the end of the second season which actually won you an Emmy nomination deservedly so because it's a spectacular sequence that really is. Do you just want to talk a little bit about doing that because I mean there was a crazy amount of stuff going on in there. Oh Oh, man yeah a
1: lot of sleepless nights for that Uh (laughs) yeah I can imagine. Um, So that was actually a very um, interactive process I mean we would get a lot of storyboards from the producers and then that would kind of guide us into a path of more or less what they wanted to see it wasn't so much beat by beat but mm. just a general guideline and so we do a few iterations on that and then once we had a general kind of path of what the ships were meant to be doing kind of the major ships not so much the, the little ones then we go out and flesh the scenes even more especially all the little tiny ships that were for fl- all the drone ships that were flying around in space like it'd be impossible to hand animate those one by one so we created a system where we had a Uh, different flocks of ships doing specific movements and then we kind of moved those around and placed them where, you know, we felt we needed to match the action that was happening and to drive the story forward. And then, yeah, I mean, from there it was just kind of making sure that the client was happy with it and that it was telling the story that they wanted to tell and just take it from there.
0: That's interesting. So the the sort of the background stuff is that sort of automated in terms of the movements and stuff then?
1: Yeah, so we created, you know, a setup where we had both the good guys and the bad guys fighting and then we kind of moved especially in the background so we just kind of moved those where it was necessary for the story and then everything that uh, was closer to camera we we would hand animate that and make sure that it was following a specific movement to move things forward oh cool that's interesting Um, as I say the third season you sort of jump forward
0: quite majorly in time Uh, Discovery gets quite a big refit as well in that was that sort of redesign handed to you or, or were you did you have any input into
1: that third season was one of the most exciting ones for us just because we finally get to things to a much more modern era yeah and kind of really update things. So again, we were provided with some fantastic concept support from the art department, and then it was up to us to really finesse and add in all the little details that you see on the ship. Um, episode six, in particular, was was one of our favorite. I think you know, client told us it was probably the best shot that they've ever seen of Discovery. That big reveal that we yeah. see. Yeah,
0: the CG work is is truly phenomenal on this series. I mean, it, it looks really wonderful. I mean, one of the other unique ships, of course, is Book's ship in this series, which is the sort of more thing shuttle
1: thing that he has yeah that was that was a big challenge as well
0: how did you approach dealing with that was did they tell you that it needs to morph in some way and then you had to figure it out or was
1: it sort of more prescribed than that cbs is pretty particular with what they want to see and mm. you know the executive producers and all that so once again they provided us with some great concept support just showing us what the final forms would look like right so we had the base look of the ship and then the four five different kind of transformed versions of it and then it was up to us to kind of handle how that was going to happen. Mm. So we had a few, you know, ways of doing it. We either had something that was automated for, you know, shots where you just would see it happen really fast. And then we also had, you know, total control of how all the panels could move. So we could either make it a little bit more complex as needed or just kind of, you know, do something quick based on the shot.
0: Yeah. So the transformation stuff with you guys, I mean, it's, it's really interesting how that ship sort of is put together and stuff. I wondered, what are the other animals, of course, is the cat. Did you end up having <laughs> To CG the cat anywhere? I mean, I know no. they had one on set.
1: Oh, was that? Unfortunately, not. We nah. didn't. Uh, we didn't end up doing the cat. But I heard it was well behaved, so that was good. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. If you've got CG, it, at least have a well behaved one. That's what you uh, know. Uh,
0: so, are there any other particular sequences you, you'd like
1: to talk about on the Joe, That stuff that you'd like to point out? Uh, I mean, the the chase sequence at the start of season three was also yeah, you know, pretty fun for us. I mean, we got to introduce one of the new main characters, Book, yeah, as well as Cosmo, and then we see Burnout coming out through the wormhole, coming into the new uh, timeline, which was pretty cool. So that whole intro sequence was really fun to do. Again, a lot of work trying to get the choreography right, matching things to sound, and just uh, making sure it holds up to our standards. Yeah. Um, Like everything always presents a new challenge. Also, when they get to the planet where Burnham and Book kind of see this massive floating market and we do that big reveal that was also pretty wild for us it was a, it's a brand new environment you know again very different from anything that we've done in the past in terms of star trek so it was it was fun to bring that to life
0: yeah no I, I bet i mean it's it's an incredible world to be able to sort of get your hands on and play around with particularly in the context of the third of third and fourth seasons where you are in a situation where it's outside of anything that's already established so you have a little mm-hmm. bit more freedom i guess at this point
1: yeah i mean to your point you know star trek at least to me it's one of those shows where it, it's almost a dream to work on because you get to do a little bit of everything you get mm-hmm. sci-fi you get you know drama you get romance such a plethora of characters and worlds to to draw from that it's it's a treat to work on the show for sure
0: yeah what i like about something like this because you get sort of various types of vfx you get the sort of hidden stuff which i'm, I'm sure there is hidden vfx oh, yeah. in this but <laughs> i mean there is obviously a lot of fairly obvious vfx because it's a space show so there's ships and all that sort of stuff <laughs> <laughs> what are the sort of more interesting maybe hidden stuff that you
1: had to do in the show oh wow on season one that whole uh sarcophagus ship the roof every time we'd see the roof on that it was all a vfx extension right? huh. just because obviously on set you know we had to take out the lights and the scaffolding and things like that so all that was always a set extension every time we're in the shuttle bay 90 percent of it is it's a set extension yeah um and then we're really excited for this new season and for everybody to see all the work that's been done with the with the volume
0: yeah i was gonna come on to that because taking a note after the mandalorians book because the mandalorian came up with this volume workspace they were really probably the first show to use that yeah. type of thing and i'm uh, all right in thinking it's actually pixamundo's volume you know, this Pixel- is yeah this yeah. is
1: pixamundo's volume we built the stage ourselves put a lot of hard work into them, making sure that it meets the needs of, uh, of our clients for people that don't know what the volume is we've talked about it in a couple
0: of different interviews before but for people that haven't heard those do you just want to explain what the
1: volume is so the volume is a set of led panels built into a giant wall uh, depends on the size different stages we a lot to have bigger or smaller sizes and then on that volume we project images that come out of a unreal which is the a game engine yeah in which we bring all our assets to and then we track that to the actual production camera so that we get correct perspective and parallax as the camera moves so it makes you feel like the character is actually there and the great thing about the volume is that it gives you proper lighting mm. so you no longer have to rely strictly on set lighting and uh, having practical lights there. Now a lot of this information has come directly from the wall so that you get proper reflections, proper lighting highlights and the characters look much more integrated.
0: Yeah, as to say, as an example of this, I mean, The Mandalorian was, was a show that used a volume to great extent. Just to give you an idea of it, if people have seen The Mandalorian, 90% of that was shot on a volume <laughs> indoors, even the outdoor yeah. shots. I mean, and you just wouldn't know. So I was really excited when they announced that Discovery was going to get one because I mean, this must be game-changing for you in terms of the the work
1: that you can do with it. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a big learning curve for everyone, especially on the production side as well. Just because it's a completely new workflow, you yeah. Know? So it, it was a small little learning curve at the beginning, but everybody's loving it so far. I mean, the things that we're pushing out on the volume is is quite incredible. We're definitely pushing the limits to what can be done. I don't want to spoil anything. Mm. Uh, <laughs> well, of course, but yeah. Just be on the lookout.
0: Yeah. So I'm guessing you would. Make mentioning there about you know the things like the shuttle bay being a set extension presumably you could now project that directly onto the volume and use that as a way of building that environment instead yeah so yeah
1: i mean a lot of environments that we're used to seeing you know on the regular are, are not going to be gonna treat it as a volume set extension so yeah it's made things a lot easier for everyone i mean and the turnaround time on you know switching things like lights time of day rotating the set all that kind of stuff is just it, it's it's mind-blowing how much faster it's getting done right now
0: yeah and i mean the other thing of course is when you're trying to shoot this in the middle of a pandemic if you're not having to take actors out of a bubble to go to some particular quarry somewhere to go and shoot a particular scene you can do it in a volume instead that's got to be a lot easier and a lot
1: safer i would have thought right now oh absolutely i mean the the covid guidelines on set have been you know incredible uh, we all get tested regularly at least once twice sometimes three times a week um, depending on where we shooting so it's, it's been great everybody loves being on there the actors think it's, it's a huge huge leap from just being in front of a green screen yeah because now they actually have something to interact with now they can actually look out in a space as opposed to just staring blankly into you know a giant green wall mm. so it's been it's been really fun yeah for the actors there have been interviews
0: with the, the guys that have, have used this technology on the Mandalorian saying it, it makes a, a huge difference for them because of the fact that you're not sitting in a green room trying to imagine everything looking at ten- this balls you know so exactly i'm really excited to see where they land with season four on this and uh, i'm glad to see the volumes are being used because i think it's a phenomenal piece of technology that is just going to be game changing for the industry
1: oh i definitely agree i mean there's some pretty big things coming so it's exciting times ahead
0: yeah yeah you're working on season four of that now good luck with it i look forward to seeing that when it comes out it's i think they've said later this year i think he's or next year i can't remember end of list. year yeah, end think. of the year end of the year this is due out so uh, yeah I'm definitely looking forward to that coming out couple of last questions for you first question is what TV
1: shows are you watching at the moment oh putting me on the spot like this Um, (laughs) it's hard to find time to watch TV with everything that's going on sure Um, for sure Falcon and the Winter Soldier yes I mean everything that that Marvel's doing is just man it's it's outstanding just finished up WandaVision that was phenomenal those are you know kind of the shows that I'm watching right now both great shows the WandaVision I thought was great and I'm really enjoying Falcon Winter Soldier yeah and
0: uh, if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show it can be something from the past something present or some sort of future genre what show would
1: it be? Oof. That's another big one. <laughs> honestly, anything uh anything Marvel. <laughs> anything Marvel. Yeah. Anything I will, Marvel.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean there is a there is a fair chance that at some point given that you're at Fix and Wonder, I'm sure something will come across at some point. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely not out of the question. <laughs> yeah. So uh hopefully that that comes up. And it's not like they're going to stop making Marvel T V shows anytime soon, is it really? No. So?
1: <laughs> I mean honestly anything Marvel or Star Wars, um, because you know I Just like Star Trek, I'm a huge fan of Star Wars, so those are kind of the things that get you into the industry.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. The amount of people that those sort of things, particularly Star Wars, I think particularly people in your industry that influenced is phenomenal. So I shall let you get back to your day. Thank you for spending a little bit of time to chat through your stuff. It's been uh, lovely to catch up. I love the series. Good luck with the TV show. I'm so looking forward to the full season, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll talk again in the future when that's uh, all out. sounds good thank you david it was
1: uh, my pleasure to be here really right. appreciate it lovely Happy talking evening. to you you're enjoying the show
0: lovely talking to you uh speak again soon cheers all right cheers <laughs>